There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show. It's questions from the audience from the world headquarters and the world headquarters are in my basement. It is a it's a stereotype about a podcast that couldn't be more accurate in this case because the HomeLoanExpert.com studios are in my basement. I find that with the questions from the audience, I am uh, at my best, at least what I think is my best, you might think my worst, when I'm uh, when I'm alone, and uh, and I have the house to myself, uh, because sometimes we record questions from the audience right after the radio show, and even though the radio show is the antithesis of heavy lifting, for whatever reason, and Gangster Pete and I have discussed this, for whatever reason, and I just know me at this point, uh, after doing it for now, we can say officially fifteen years that. I need time in between the end of the show and starting up whatever the next thing is, even going to work out, which is what I usually do right after the radio show. For whatever reason, I need like 15 minutes to a half hour. I have no idea what that's about. I'm, like I said, I feel like this is really just like me talking or trying to talk to therapists out there to try to figure out what the fuck's going on with me. But um, when it comes to questions from the audience, I have the house to myself. Uh, those of you with children, uh, can totally relate to what that means. Two years ago, I had no idea how valuable that was because that's all I ever had was either the house to myself or just the house to me and my wife. And so at any moment, uh, this serenity will come to an end. I don't know uh, when Jameson will be returning. He is with Anna Marie's parents and, uh, and you will hear, I think you'll hear screaming. I always promise this, but I haven't, I haven't, I don't think it's happened yet, but inevitably it's going to happen. So when it happens, it'll just be, uh, as we call natural sound in the business. Now, this is my first question from the audience since getting back from vacation. Um, if you haven't listened to the Pat Maroon interview this week, holy moly, would I recommend that? I say, holy moly, would I recommend that? Um, but we didn't do questions from the audience while I was out of town. We had interviews. Uh, Doug Armstrong last week. A lot of blues here amidst the Stanley Cup fun and games. And uh, and Pat Maroon is is one of, if not the person I wanted to talk to. And uh, man, did it live up to it. It exceeded it, actually, because it was just a total bullshit session. It was, it, it was I don't know, listen to it. And you, and you might have already listened to it. You know what I'm talking about, if that's the case. Uh, always email with feedback, with questions, four questions from the audience. Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. We are brought to you by Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is our presenting sponsor for our guests. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800. Uh, Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet. And Design Air, heating and cooling online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. It's hard to stop a train. Those are the people, those are the companies who make this podcast possible. I thoroughly enjoy it. I almost feel like I want to do more of them. But I can tell you this, in a month, less than a month, 
or maybe like a month to the day. What does it fucking matter? The point is, in about a month, the Pick 6 podcast with producer Joe and G-Unit, but really the weatherman, will restart with uh, college football starting and then the NFL a week later. So uh, we will have three podcasts a week from you here on the Tim McKernan Show, and I might add some more. I could see me doing one with the trade deadline coming up with the Cardinals um, here in a couple of days. I, I don't know. I, I, now that I have recording uh, studio at my house, I can just pop in and do these things, and I enjoy it. It's therapeutic. And I don't know why it's therapeutic, but I enjoy it. So uh, the other thing that I wanted to, to, to note is that I felt like, and I don't really know why, but while I was away, I was getting questions, not soliciting them, um, but, it, you know, people can email questions for questions from the audience anytime. Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Um, and I was getting some really good questions. And I'm kind of like, man, I part of me wishes I could have just recorded a couple while I was out of town. Um, we went to Hilton Head. My family, and I'm not talking about me and Anna Marie and Jameson, although the, th- the three of us were certainly there. But uh, my brother and his wife and his three daughters, uh, my brother and his wife and his one son, my sister and my parents, we were all there at one time. And so it was just uh, the ultimate uh, circumstance for a family vacation and um, got to play golf with my dad quite a bit. Uh, my my son, who is five months older, if my math is correct, then uh, Kevin's son, they got to hang out. It was just it was just perfect, and uh, and I'm very grateful to the radio station for allowing me to to miss how many shows? I think nine shows. Now I had only taken four days, five days of vacation uh, total through the first half of the year, um, but still taking nine straight shows off uh, was aggressive. So I'm very grateful to the station management for allowing me to do that. But the podcast is something I can kind of do whenever and wherever. I just didn't bring the recording stuff because I wasn't thinking I would be doing it. And then I got a few of these emails, and I'm like, man, I wish I was doing questions from the audience. So we have some good ones in here. Always like when people send uh, questions that kind of provoke or provokes probably not the right word because that has a negative connotation, but makes me think. And then maybe what I say makes you think or you totally disagree. I like when people disagree. I'm not like looking for fights, but I want people to ideally civilly disagree. It makes me think. It's not like I'm right. You know, it's not like I know what the hell I'm talking about. These are coming from the perspectives of you know, a 42-year-old white heterosexual male, um, you know, and, and whatever other things that contribute to my viewpoint, you know, I know everybody has different viewpoints and I want to hear them. And maybe I'll go, oh, I was wrong about that. That's good. Now I know this. So I like that. That's what I enjoy about the uh, questions that I get. So um, I'll start here and then I might go into some other things that I have written down that I wanted to uh, to discuss. Uh, Tim, a couple random questions sets for questions from the audience. Uh, this one comes from Brad S. What book are you currently reading? Um, the answer is Howard Stern comes again. And uh, I am a I'm a Stern, if there's such a thing as a lemming, I am a Howard Stern lemming and in uh, in firmly believe that if, if I would not have seen the movie Private Parts in 1997, I would be doing something else. Like, like that's an insta thing. If I didn't see that movie, I would not have, I, I was already in the, the, the journalism school at Missouri, but I would not have gone the route I have gone with my career. I don't know what I would have done. I maybe just would have, maybe I'd be 
like just like kind of like a, a an anchor. That's what I was doing first six years of my career. Um, but I just was like, what he's talking about and what he does, and I liked watching his show when it was on E, uh, the cable network. I'm, and now I love the interviews, which is I'm certain influences the hour and a half interviews that, that I do on this this podcast. Um, that I wouldn't be doing this. I just know I it's that's that certain. So I've really enjoyed reading that book. I thought it was just going to be like transcripts of his interviews, um, but it's much more than that. I'm just, if anything, I'm disappointed that I didn't knock it out like in two days while I was out of town, but wound up. You know, when when you're at the pool, as again, now I'm speaking to parents, whereas before I spoke to like the 10 people in St. Louis who were in their 30s without kids and married. Um, but now I am on the other side. Uh, but I still remember what that's like. It's only two, I'm only two years removed from it. But I mean, Anna Marie and I would go and we'd sit at a pool and I would I could read a book in a day. Now it's a different ball game um, because I'm trying to keep my, uh, you know, my eye on my son. And so totally different deal so I did not read while out of town but that's what I'm reading and I'm enjoying the hell out of it um, so the, the follow-up question was what do you primarily look for when choosing a book to read I prefer nonfiction. I don't know when the last time I, I read um, a book of fiction I know I have um, but it I mean I, I autobiographies biographies um, essentially journalistic pieces uh, that's what I look for. It's and it's and I hadn't even thought about it until I was reading the question. I go, God, that's that's what I wrote. I remember I'm holding up my Kindle and like, okay, I want to find something to read. That's what I, that's the that's the category I search for. Uh, as of July twenty second, two thousand nineteen, that's when the email came in. Uh, who do you think will be the Democratic nominee in November twenty twenty? As of July 22nd, 2019, who do you think is the best, most capable Democratic nominee, not necessarily the one who will end up the nominee? Caveat, I'm not suggesting these are some sort of endorsements, just curious your thoughts of where it's at 16 months out. So um, I got a few political emails uh, while I was out, and I'm not really sure why. I mean, we get political emails, political guest suggestions, um, regularly, but there was there was a higher percentage over the last couple of weeks. I'm, I'm gathering part of me is totally unplugged from the world when I'm especially on a family vacation um, and just like hanging out. And, you know, obviously, I'm, you know, I've, I've unfollowed the cable news. And I guess at this point, uh, the network news, I did that about a year or two ago. Because uh, I would see what was going on, and by that I mean how things were framed, and it's done in such a subtly benign way. But I know what's going on, and it just makes me ill that I'm just like I don't want to see this stuff. Um, so I suppose I'm less informed, but maybe I'm more informed. If that makes sense, and it doesn't, but I'll try to explain. I'm not seeing as much like these stories pop up as like, have you heard all this or have you seen the outrage over this? And I will be like, I haven't. I'm totally unaware of it. I'm very happily unaware of it. But at the same time, if I do uh, read or watch, it's not from like tweets or Instagram posts from take your pick of whichever cable news outlet or the multiple that I was following. Um, It's a happier place. So uh, it's not colored anyway. It's not manipulated 
anyway. Well, it's less. Let me put it that way. It's less. So um, with that said, um, because of that, I went on the uh, TMA fan page, which I would recommend joining. And uh, and I just I wanted to ask that and I'll, I'll read exactly what I wrote. So for those of you who did not see it. You will have the 100% full context, literally, literally. Uh, I wrote, I'm a, and I wrote this about an hour ago, and we've already got a few hundred votes. I'm about to record my first questions from the audience podcast uh, since getting back into town. We usually get a few political questions, but over the last couple of weeks, we've gotten more than usual. I gather that was the result of some of the stories over the last month. So for research purposes, I'm putting up a poll and attempting to make it as simple as possible. If the election were held today, instead of November 2020, would you vote for Donald Trump? Anytime there is a political poll posted, a handful of people want contingency clauses added, but that does not work for the purpose of attempting to get to the root of this discussion. I realize one might say, well, quote, it depends on who's nominated, what other parties do, etc. I completely understand that. If you feel like the question is one you can't answer, uh, do not vote. Uh, if uh, I'm just trying to get a gauge on the fan page on where people are at this particular moment. And then I noted this because this still, in my opinion, was, uh, was startling, especially now looking back on it. Uh, and I note, I recall nearly three plus years ago, the eye-opening poll we did in which a hypothetical question was asked. If Barack Obama were able to run for a third term, who would you vote for? Obama was an option along with Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, and then the third party candidates. Uh, And Obama won handily. Uh, Trump finished in second and Hillary got like for real. I think we had we had to have had close to 2000 votes. I'm doing this from memory. So if I'm off, I'm off. But it, it, it had to be. And then Hillary Clinton, I'm dead serious when I say this, Donald Trump finished in second, Hillary Clinton got like five votes, like Jill Stein was ahead of Hillary Clinton. Um, and this is this is pre-November 20, uh, November 16. This was, I don't know when it was, but it was, it was probably, I don't know, May, June of 16. That's what, so the candidates had been established at that point. Um, so... Uh, that was, I write, that was a potential indication of a problem for Hillary Clinton supporters as moronic as this place can be, I'm talking about the fan page, and as unrepresentative of the country as this demo is. Nonetheless, for the purpose of the podcast and doing QFTA, the question in the poll is, if the election were held today, would you vote for Donald Trump to serve a second term as president of the United States? Try to make it as simple as possible. Yes or no? And I think... Maybe unlike uh, November 2012 and November 2008 and November 2004, this is totally speculative. I feel confident saying it. There's no way to prove it. But I think more people know 15 months out regarding who they're going to vote for in the presidential election in, in, in this moment than in 2012 or in 2008 or in 2004 or in 2000 you know and, and by that i mean people have their stance on donald trump they're either really for him or really against him or they go i can't stand this or that i can't stand the twitter stuff i can't stand the way he carries himself but i love my 401k's increase or i love his policies or whatever the case might be um so what is the result as of this moment? 201, 204 say no. 
they would not vote for him, and 91 said they would vote for him. So approximately two out of three are saying they would not vote for him. And as I acknowledge, and I will reiterate here, uh, you know, the demographic of the TMA fan page is not representative of the United States, obviously. I mean, it's for the vast majority of the people who are on the fan page, they have a tie to St. Louis. They're either living here or they um, grew up here. Um, Good chance they are not over the age of 60. Uh, Really good chance on that. Good chance they're not over the age of 50. Uh, It's about a flip as to whether the coin flip as to whether or not they're over the age of 40. Um, It's a more, even though the content couldn't be more sophomoric, it's a more professional audience. Um, and a higher percentage chance of college educated. So, you know, this is, this is, this is, you know, this is not the United States of America in a, in a Gallup poll. With that said, I do think that what we saw, and it did stand out to me in, in uh, whatever it was, June of 16, that uh, Hillary Clinton got like, for real, like I'm telling you it was something else, like five votes that that was eye-opening. Because I think you had a lot of people who had voted for Obama in 08 and 12 who would have voted for him in 16, but would not vote for Hillary Clinton. And I didn't see that, I didn't see that at the time. Uh, so that's why anytime somebody goes, well, you're racist if you voted for Donald Trump, I, I, I go, I just, you know, I think you were doing yourself a real disservice with that. Um, it, I just, it, you know, it's just real. It's simple. It's no. It's no. Were some people who are racist voted for Donald Trump? Yes. Will they do it again in November 2020? Yes. No question in my mind. But to label everybody who voted for Donald Trump as a racist is really insulting. It really is. Uh, and I think it does a disservice. Um, I think there are plenty of people who are just like, I can't vote for Hillary Clinton. Or I'm pro-life and Donald Trump will put pro-life justices on the Supreme Court. And that's That's enough. That's enough. So take your pick of whatever the reason, but the fact that she received that tiny amount of votes was something else. So uh, with knowing that we were going to talk some form of politics on QFTA, I wanted to get this. And honestly, I'm surprised that it's not closer to 50-50. Being quite sincere, some people might hear that and say, I'm really surprised to hear you say that. I'm telling you, I am real surprised that it's not closer to 50-50. I still would expect Donald Trump to carry Missouri all day long. And, uh, you know, but with that all said, I I, I would have thought this would be closer to 50-50. So the question that was directed to me, which is why I posted that poll, and then there was another um, one or two emails regarding uh, November 2020. So this kind of is an all-encompassing on it. As of July 22nd, 2019, who do you think will be the Democratic nominee in November 2020? My honest answer is I have absolutely no idea. I have absolutely no idea. I have absolutely no idea. Like I, I like you said, okay, here's a hundred bucks. Put, you know, go walk up to the, the, the sports book and put it down on somebody. I have no clue. I mean, polling wise right now, Joe Biden is is in a very comfortable spot, but I'm not sure that that's going to continue. Um, I think it's here's a, here's something that's related, but 
kind of a digression, as I always observe every week on questions from the audience, this thing should be kind of a digression instead of the Tim McKernan show because everything is a digression. But I digress. I'm amazed at how you can have people, and I think it's a problem. I don't also, I, I don't have a solution for it. I'm amazed at how you can have people have, in the case of Biden, 40 plus years of public service and one little zinger in a debate can then supposedly play a role in then destroying that person and their aspirations for higher office. I think it's the worst. I think it's the absolute worst. And so the exchange with Kamala Harris and Joe Biden at the debate, I think it was at the end of June, um, and how that was supposed to be a signature thing. And it was like in Twitter world, but then you look at the polling data and it really didn't impact things that much for Biden. But in the Twitter sphere, it became the biggest deal in the world. And Kamala Harris got one on Joe Biden. And it just, I just was, and it's not like I'm running up, jumping him down about Joe Biden. I just, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, to, to throw, I'm not saying throw it around, but somebody being a bigot in any capacity, racially, otherwise, is such a significant thing and such a horrible thing that to like drudge up things from take your pick of whenever and then try to imply that therefore this person, in this case, in the 1970s, was a bigot, I really, ooh, I didn't like that. Um, I don't like that stuff in general. I don't like that stuff in general. Oh, look what so-and-so posted on social media, uh, you know, in 2009. And it's like we got to cancel the person out as opposed to forgive or say, oh, well, you know, it was a different situation. I mean, Barack Obama, for as much as he is crowned by many, is is this great president. It's not like he came out guns a-blazing in 2008 and saying, I'm pro-gay marriage. If anything, Joe Biden beat him to it. I think it was a mistake. And by that, I mean, I don't think Biden was supposed to do that. And the White House had to scramble. I was watching when Biden did it. And I believe it was on Meet the Press in 2012. Uh, and I'm like, wow, that's probably not what the White House had planned today. But uh, but either way, uh, you know, people, I mean, God, I've said a million times, pull audio of me in 2004 2005 and I'd go fuck that guy and it's me fuck that guy because I was I mean just I, I've changed people change um but I certainly would say he was for as big of a jackass as I was and still may be maybe just less of a jackass now I wasn't a racist then I wasn't a racist now or I'm not a racist now but I but but if you want to pull things from not that I was saying race racial things my my point is pull things from then, take away the context, and then go, ooh, and then you can take them down. And then the person just is like erased because they, everybody else can't be associated with them. I hate that stuff. Um, with that said, the reason I bring it up is because Biden, this, speaking to the world in which we live, I don't know how well he fares on his own when people are coming at him. And since he's got the number one seed, they're going to be coming at him, and I'm not sure... He's going to be able to hold up and look really impressive. He might have been a great vice president for a guy who uh, could handle his own toe to toe with take your pick of, of whether it be John McCain or Mitt Romney or the or Hillary Clinton in the primaries. But, uh, you know, is, is the guy I'm not sure that will hold up. And I'm not saying that that's right. 
I'm just saying I could see it being an issue for him. Um, but then you say, well, then who would it be? And I'm telling you, I, I truly don't know. I mean, I really don't know. At the same time, if you would have asked me, uh, what, 15 months out? Is that what we're talking about here? Um, so in July slash August of 2015, who would have been the Republican nominee? I mean, there's no way I would have said Donald Trump. So, you know, it, it, you know, as this goes along, maybe something will become more obvious. But to me, at this moment... No one is standing out, which makes me wonder if the candidate is actually somebody the, the eventual nominee is is somebody who's not at this moment running, which I know might sound weird, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't really want to do this, but I'm committing myself to doing this. And by the time you hear this, this these debates may have already started or, or be in the rearview mirror because it's a two nights of fun and games, but um and, I, and the Cardinals are playing the Cubs, so to, to commit to doing this, but I might settle in, and I use the term settle in loosely, and watch every minute of the, the Democratic debates coming up this week just to see. Because I, I do feel good about my track record of having a good read on politicians. I'm very proud of that. It's discovering adult film stars before they become big stars um, and... Uh, and hosting an odd radio show, hosting an odd podcast, and having a good intuition on the character of politicians, those are my talents. That's it. That's it. There is, there's nothing else. There's absolutely nothing else. And so oftentimes I, I get those reads from watching debates, but God, I can't stand it. Like I used to look forward to it, but now it's, you know, it's like because there's so many people up there the people on the periphery who are getting ready to shut it down feel obligated to jump in and interrupt, and it's just really insulting, and it's gross, and it's like you got to get your one-liner off, and then hopefully you win the night because of a one-liner, no matter what the hell you've done in your career. Ah, it's a different ball game. So uh, maybe somebody will emerge from that for me. Uh, let's see. As of July 22nd, 2019, who do you think is the best, most capable Democratic nominee? I really don't know. I mean, I, I, and I hope you know that this isn't like, oh, I can't answer. I really don't know. Um, I have been impressed. I will say this. Uh, I have been impressed, but it's, you're talking small sample size with Pete Buttigieg. Um, but, you know, is he, is he really someone who can win the nominee nomination and then defeat Donald Trump. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I have been impressed with him. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And again, it's, it's not necessarily, that's not even necessarily policy based. It's more speaking and speaking in platitudes. And a lot of people can speak, but that doesn't necessarily make them great leaders. Unfortunately, well, take your pick, whether you consider it's like this is Kevin Demoff, fortunately or unfortunately, but in order to win, more often than not, you have to be a great speaker. And ever since the age of television, more often than not, you have to have a certain appearance. Uh, so with that all out there, um, that's, that's something that I think you have to consider uh, as a factor.
You know, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency is my insurance agent. So this is a first-hand endorsement of James Carlton and his staff in Webster Groves. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. I think a lot of people just go, okay, well, I've got a guy. I've got a lady. I'm good. I don't really care to talk about insurance. It's something, you know, I'm 25, whatever. And that's fine. I understand. I used to think the same way. And then I go down to my basement on March 30th of 2019 and the basement's flooded and the world changes. It just so happens because my interactions with James have been so positive that my wife and I switched to James Carlton uh, in late 2018. And I'm telling you, if we had not, the odyssey that has been a flooded basement throughout all of this precipitation in St. Louis would have been infinitely more difficult to navigate without somebody as active. And on top of it is James Carlton. His phone number is 314-961-4800, or you can go online at carltoninsurance.net. And even now, he still checks in. You know, I mean, it's it's just a different ball game. And even before we had that, which, of course, was a substantial issue, um, you know, we weren't covered on, on something or I've forgotten to make a payment. It wasn't like it was like some monster payment. It was a small payment. But he's like, hey, just so you know, uh, you haven't made this payment. We want to make sure that's taken care of so you're covered. It's just, it's, it's just different. It's different in a much better way. And that's why, you know, if, if you ran into me at a, at a bar or restaurant and said, hey, you know, and I have had it happen. Hey, Tim, who's that insurance agent? People email me. And I go, oh, it's James Carlton. Here, let me include him on the, on the email. And I know he's going to be on top of it. I don't think twice about it. It's not like I'm like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about him. And then somebody actually wants to follow up. And I'm like, oh, God, I hope he does okay. The best the absolute best. And you're talking about your biggest investments. So you want to make sure they're taken care of properly. James Carlton and his staff at Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency will certainly do that. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Oh, I think we might have our first Jameson appearance. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a long time coming, and I think it's going to happen. I hear him coming. This is right in the middle of our political discussion. So we might as well have him come down. It's been promised. I hear him. He's making his way down here. There he is. No, it's, it's, he can come down. It's fine. He can come down, make a cameo. This has been the long time promise. Here he comes. Hi. I'm in the middle of recording, but this is a... No, it's fine. I want to see him. Nice fire truck shirt. Do you want to say hi to the audience and talk into the microphone? Say hi. Can you say hi? Can you say dada? Can you say dada? Dada. Thank you. <laughs> it's great to see you. Grandpa. Grandpa. And there's grandma. Anything else to say? I see mama. See mama? Mama's at yoga. Anything Mama. else? Mama woke out. Mama woke out. <laughs> All right. Dada's going to get back to recording his show. Do you want to say bye? Bye. Thank you. That was so nice. All right. I'll be up soon and we'll go play, okay? All right. I'll be up soon and we'll go play, okay? All right, Jameson? Bye-bye. I'll be up soon. Love you. All right. Dada will play. All right. There it is. We will not edit that out. There is there is the uh, the homeloanexpert.com studios when Jameson makes a cameo. I knew the cameo was coming at some point. And he is uh, 
and he actually handled the uh, the uh, the, the uh, Anna Marie's mom carrying him up the stairs calmly. I thought all hell was going to break loose there. So special treats as Jameson makes his debut here on the program. All right, next email. Um, Tim, in your opinion, which profession tends to lend itself to hotter cream pies, spin class instructor or golf beverage cart girl? On one hand, you have career professional women with rock hard bods. On the other hand, you have nubile innocent darlings. I suppose the median hotness of a spin class instructor babe would be hotter, but the upside of a starlet bevy cart girl is also intriguing. Your thoughts? That comes from Deebs. How about this Deebs guy? I'm a big Deebs guy. It's like I'm a big Buck Swope guy. I'm a big Deebs guy. Uh, it's a wonderful question. It's thought provoking. It's, we just had my, my, uh, one year old on and, uh, and now we have, uh, and we were in sandwiched in, in between the political discussion and my one year old is the, uh, is, is a Deeb's question popping up on my laptop. And it's a great question. Again, like I said, a lot of thought provoking, uh, Spin class instructor, actually. I'm going to answer the question. Spin class instructor. I have a real... I have things. I have a variety of things. What do I mean by things? Things that get me going more so than what I think the median interest level is of, say, my peers. And by my peers, I'm talking about guys in their uh, late 30s or early 40s. Um, I've taught, I have no idea why, but I like tattoos on women big time. I like piercings big time. I don't have an answer for it. I'm again, I'm crying out for a therapist to analyze these things. Maybe that's what this is really about. I like questions from the audience because I feel like it's a free therapy session, except no one ever answers. It's just me staring at my refrigerator in the basement, uh, with an occasional cameo by my mother-in-law and my son. Um, who, as you might have imagined, have, have retreated back upstairs. So I'm, I'm all alone with the refrigerator. Uh, and then fitness. Now you go, oh, wow, way to, way to take a stand. You like somebody who takes care of themselves. And I see what you're saying, but I want to I attempt to elaborate here. Um, it's not necessarily like a 20-something who's in shape and just kind of has it. This is somebody in their... 30s or 40s who um, is, you know, is toned and is committed to the task and whether it be, as you just heard me discussing with my son, yoga for my wife um, or lifting because uh, running, running doesn't really build, it's kind of, I, I used to do it. Well, I still do it, but I, it's not my focal point of my exercise. It doesn't build the muscle tone. And so if you only run, you kind of can get, I don't even know what, I don't know. Like if you don't eat properly, you can kind of be skinny fat. Or if you just run and then don't lift, then you're just super skinny. So I'm talking about toned. So the spin class instructor is more apt to have that. The beverage cart girl is probably 19. You know, I mean, and again, some of you listening might be 23 and going, yeah, that's exactly what I want. And God bless. I mean, I'm 42 and 19, we're, we're talking about. Although I guess DiCaprio and I are, are the same age and certainly in the same class. Um, and I think his, I think all he does is date 21-year-olds. Um, so, you know, I guess if you're Leonardo DiCaprio, it's cool. But if you're uh, a married father in Kirkwood, Missouri, with a one-year-old, it pro- it's just... But, 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 he, but taking all of that out of the equation, I would tell you, 
if it were the beverage cart girl. I see the beverage cart girl and I really feel badly for her. Not because of what she's doing to make money, because I'm sure she's doing quite well, but she's doing quite well because she has to put up with getting harassed by almost every foursome on the golf course. The guy who's in his 50s and he's like, well, today's the day. And he's going to fire bullets and he's going to come up with material. Uh, and, you know, and they got to giggle because they're in the business for tips. Uh, it's just, uh, woo. Spin class instructor is the answer. Deebs, you're becoming a star in questions from the audience is what you are, sir. You're becoming a star. Uh, all right, what do we have here? Oh, this was a good one, too. Man, I'm telling you, the audience. The audience. Game balls for everyone. Tim, in the past, you've brought up that some of the wealthiest people in St. Louis fly under the radar and don't draw attention to themselves. I completely agree, and a phrase which stuck with me growing up was, money talks, but wealth whispers. Today, we live in a world where perception is driven from social media, and one's self-worth is determined by the amount of followers or lavish lifestyle they are perceived to be living. At the same time, the dislike for, quote, moneyed people has never been stronger. This has created a social norm to apologize for a humble brag or make light of the situation by saying hashtag blessed. At what point did society change to where people have to apologize for having money? Does it simply just come down to envy? P.S. Adam Carolla, link below, discussed this in 2012. The quote below is from the six minute mark. Wanted to get your take before you listen to it, though. I haven't listened to it. I got to be honest with you. I remember getting this email. Got it, what, nearly two weeks ago. Um, but I didn't listen to it. But here's the quote. Back in the day, father would be walking his son down the sidewalk. A guy would go by in a Rolls Royce. The father would say, there goes Mr. Jenkins. Look up to him. That guy works hard. That guy built a company and he built an empire. Look up to him. Now it's look at him. Does he need that car? Why does he need that car? I'm driving a Chevette. Let's go throw rock, a rock at it. Very nice. Uh, and I think that's the end of the S. That comes from uh, Tucker. So um, love this. Love this email. I, I, just God bless the audience because you guys do come up with some great ones here, uh, whether it be something as simple as spin class instructor, beverage cart girl, or we go into the 2020 election or now this, which is totally, this is right up my alley. I could, I could do two hours on this. Um, I'd I actually would be interested in talk. I don't know who would be able to give an opinion as to when this began. Uh, I agree that it happened. I agree that it has happened. I don't know why, but I agree with it. Uh, and I can think back to 2000, 2012 for certain uh, with the election and Mitt Romney. But I feel like it was going on before that. Doug would always, Doug Vaughn would always make this observation after debates, how every candidate would go out of his or her way to make it clear that either he or she or his or her parents came from nothing. When in reality, of course, that's probably not the case for the majority of anybody who's in the position to run for president. You know, I mean, it, again, it, it's certainly it's not everyone, but that's what I'm saying. The majority, they come from a background that allowed them to receive educations that the vast majority of people don't have access to. Uh, and I feel like I could be wrong, you know, I mean, because I'm not paying attention to it truly paying attention to it 20 years ago, certainly not 30 years ago. I feel like that disparity is increasing. Um, 
but as far as why the resentment, which is what you speak to, Tucker, has increased, I don't have a good answer. I what, what, what winds up happening on questions from the audience, we'll discuss something, and then like a question or two questions or feedback on one of the questions will come in and it will like it'll be like a family tree. The quest this will be like the the first this will be the the trunk of the tree on this discussion because I have a feeling this is resonating with people. Um, because it's something that many of us might be aware of but have never really thought of and I and I but I couldn't agree more with it. Um, you know, I've said I've said it uh, I hate I I, I I my world personally in a very limited tiny world we're talking in St. Louis we're talking I guess sports talk radio talk radio at the very least changed as far as the perception of me when Dan Caesar wrote a column when mistakenly the details of my contract uh, personal services contract with KFNS which you know is is one thing uh, were, were not redacted in an FCC document uh, that was supposed to be redacted. It was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. And I know I've talked about it on both the radio and on the podcast. And it not only did it build some form of resentment from some members of the audience, it has absolutely built resentment from some people in the business. Um, and I hate that. I think it might be, I'm sure you could probably, I'm sure people could, oh, you think that's the worst thing. I can point out something worse. But for real, like that is, I'm, I mean, I don't know if I would call myself embarrassed by it, but I'm being straightforward with you in that it bothers me. Um, it bothers me from a couple, couple different things. Like there were, there was an article, uh, and who knows if it's accurate, because I don't know why these numbers would ever get out. In my case, uh, I know why it got out. It was it was an accident on the part of the other side, so to speak. And by the other side, I'm talking about, um, well, it was an accident on the part of the attorney for not redacting the personal services. It was brutal. I didn't even want the I didn't even want the fact that the, that Randy Markell, in a, in what was a kind gesture on his part, had named the company the uh, I think it was McKernan Radio Industries. I think is what it was initially. Um, I didn't want that out there just because that's not, that's not personally, that's not me. You know, if I really would have built all of this on my own, then, then, then maybe I, I know I, I wouldn't, but that's just not me. Um, I was worried about that, but we were just going to set up a, a DBA and never, never deal with it. Much less like a day later after having that conversation, the fact that the num- numbers are out there and then like, it's, you know, whatever, you can look it up if you really want to get into it. Um, and I guess that was three plus years ago at this point, but it, cha- it changed. There is resentment. And, and, and so what I was getting to was, um, I mean, this is 20 plus years ago. And for whatever reason, it was in the newspaper, what a local, and it might've been sports, but newscast or whatever salary. I think it's Steve Savard had it happen to him. Um, it's so, you know. I get why I get why I get why it's written about. It's going to get clicks. I get that. It's not like I'm, you know, I had some people around me, uh, more like business advisors, not even family, um, that were really tilted when that article came out. And when I saw it, I'm like, this is going to be this is going to be written about. I know it's going to be written about because it's going to get clicks. But what I was saying was, you know, 
if I see that, take your pick, you know, whether it be Zip Rizepa, Mike Bush, Steve Savard, you know, or, you know, Mandy Murphy or, you know, whomever you want to name in St. Louis News was making whatever the dollar figure was, you know, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year. I know I wasn't going, fuck them. I just, I just, it didn't even cross my mind. Um, if anything, I'm like, wow, that's great that that's possible because I'm in Little Rock making 20 grand and this is, you know, this is great uh, that it's possible, even though you don't, you don't personally think, and I really didn't, that I was going to be somebody who would, who would make that kind of money. You don't think that way when you're 22, 23 years old and you're making $20,000. In my case, I was doing it for the love of the game, so to speak. So I, I have firsthand experienced this, although, you know, there's a difference between what I'm doing and like what I'm talking about when I talk about the money in St. Louis that you don't know has money. I mean, I'm telling you, I almost, I almost feel like I'm kind of like violating it, even like, even though I talk and talk around it because the people who have it are so uh, cognizant of not wanting people to know and not, and it's not because of uh well I'm sure in part it's because they don't want people to know period but it's also that's when you have that kind of money and I'm ta- I'm not talking about like a million dollars I'm talking about the 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 fuck you you know we'll, we'll buy an NFL team kind of operation um maybe that's extreme but we're talking you know we're talking way more than a million not to shit on a million dollars but that's what I'm talking I'm talking about the guy who like all of a sudden comes into it and then buys like a sports car and you know lets everybody know that type of crap that's not what I'm talking about that's and there's a lot of it in St. Louis and it's old money um oftentimes and uh and they don't want it because it's kind of the way I think and I don't know why this would be another little social experiment why it is this way but it's 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 like a signature trait, and it's not across the board, but it's in part a signature trait um, of not talking about it, and and not not only not talking about it, but doing everything possible to, you know, downplay it if somebody becomes aware of it, um, and doing whatever they can to keep people from knowing, and I think that's admirable when rooted in humility. It's understandable if it's rooted in, I just don't want people hitting me up for money. Either way. But that's what I'm talking about when I say, uh, well, what this person took me to say, which is money talks, but wealth whispers. But let's go into the, what has happened from the, like I'm picturing like Jerry Mathers, leave it to Beaver, and the wonderful Tony Dow walking down the street in, uh, was it Mayfield? Mayfield? Nurse? Uh where they lived. I think that's where it was. I might be wrong. Fictitious town and leave it to Beaver. And the guy with the Rolls Royce would go walk, driving by and, you know, gee, Beav, look at that car, man. What he's got it made, you know, whereas now I feel like if you were to see that, not everyone, but some would go, fuck him. Why's he got that? I've talked about it before, not in this scope, but along the lines of, um, people younger people in St. Louis being hated on for having something nice um it's a weird deal I don't and and, and, and I don't want to say it's unique to St. Louis 
but I can say it is absolutely different than what I experience when I'm living in in Jupiter, Florida in spring training. And I go out of my way to not say Miami because Miami is a totally different world. Jupiter, Florida, while it's Jupiter, Florida, 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 and it, it certainly there is there's money there. Um, it, it, it's 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 also the first people and people in Miami be the first ones to tell you Jupiter, but probably don't even know about Jupiter. And people in Jupiter be the first ones to tell you it's not like Miami, even though they're only ninety minutes apart. Um, Chicago would be an example. Dallas would be an example. And I'm I'm, ta- I'm thinking about cars here, so that when I I can't really throw New York out there because if you're living in Manhattan, there's a very good chance you don't have a car. But that it's like hated on. And I just feel like St. Louis is lacking, has been lacking. I think it's changing and I think it's uptick, but like a young professional class, uh, like what you'll find, for example, on the north side of Chicago. So, um, but why that has happened, I don't know. I'll open it up to, to the audience. Why that has happened, I don't know. Why political candidates or people feel the need to to make it clear, well, I mean, you think that we came for money, but, you know, um, you know, like when it gets, I mean, it actually did get, like, it's for real funny because, you know, I by no means want to portray that I, you know, emerged from the sewers of River to Pear, you know, that's, it's just, it's, it's far from the truth. Grew up in St. Gabriel's Parish. My parents still live there. Tam Avenue. Um, love the neighborhood. Um, but like this thing that kind of came along and I guess it started from guys in sports casting when I got hired at KMOV at 23 that, oh, he comes from a privileged family and his dad got him the job. And it was just like, like it was so, you gotta be fucking kidding me. It's like, like, do you really think my father who sells advertising at KFNS has the juice to get Belo, which owned KMOV at the time, uh, you know, not a local company, big corporation, to, who, to tell them who to hire out of like 250 candidates. That's just not the way it works. But what? But it, but it's fueled by envy. Not that there was a lot to be envy. I got the job, and I was 23. And at the time, in 2000, that was a rare thing. So envy has to be a part of it. But why has it gone from tipping caps, so to speak, to somebody who has done well for themselves to hating on it? And I guess maybe it's not a fair question because we're operating off of a premise that that is the case. I do think it's the case to an extent, but I think maybe I'm overstating it or maybe the question overstates it and I need to to think it through more. But I do feel that way. Well, well how about this? The word privilege and how it gets thrown around now. I mean, that's, you know, when, when growing up and hearing the word privilege, I, I, I picture like dead poet society, you know, I picture like the school and school ties. Uh, and I'm not talking about like the, the anti-Semitism, I'm talking about like that all boys in a, you know, New England, you know, rural community. Uh, our outpost, so to speak, you know, and everybody's on their way to, to the Ivy League. Um, now it's just like if, you know, it's just, it's just, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't think it's productive to a discussion. 
if you come at somebody and tell them that they haven't earned it, whether it be uh, a white person coming at a minority and saying, well, you only got this job because of affirmative action, or someone coming at someone who went to, like say, like in my case, St. Louis U High. Uh, well, I mean, you're privileged because you went to St. Louis and you're just going, wow. I mean, I had to bust tables at the age of 14 at Pietro's and get a worker's permit to do so. Um, you know, because we had four kids in the family and I was about to start high school and then three years away from college and my sister was not even a year old, but that doesn't, that doesn't fit a narrative. I mean, and I'm the, I'll be the first one to say, it's not like I'm like digging ditches here. You know, I'm talking, um, I'm very lucky. I'll be, I will be the first one to say that. Uh, but I just, I think it's, I think it's a disservice to go after someone in from whatever direction and insinuate they haven't earned what they have. And I think, I think, I'm trying to workshop this as to why there is that hatred. I think, and again, I can only, I, I'm speaking to St. Louis. How often in St. Louis do you see, take your pick of, of whatever, you know, high dollar luxury vehicle? You know, you just don't see it. And whereas when I'm in Jupiter during spring training, even people who wouldn't normally, certainly in St. Louis, be driving a Mercedes or something along those lines, uh, they, they all have them. But I think that's more of a, I'm keeping up with, I'm keeping up with. Whereas here, it's, I got to downplay it, I got to downplay it. And again, it's not across the board. Um so I think it's a case by case geographically. I'd love to hear something because I'm sure some of you who are listening to this would go, yeah, I, here's, here's the reason or here's my theory on it. I really do because I find this, this topic fascinating. Um, and again, we've talked about like young money in St. Louis, the lack thereof. And again, I'm talking about, oh, and I'm talking about young money, like young professional money. So, you know, somebody who has done really well out of the gate in college and whether it be in their profession or they started a business, whatever. I just don't feel like it's as prominent here as in other places. And I guess that's kind of an obvious statement, but I do think it's upticking. Um, but that class, of that group of people is per capita way, way less than Chicago. Chicago is a huge city in comparison to St. Louis. That's what I'm, I'm talking about. But it's almost like it's not, it's not just about like, driving a nice car. Um, it's about ambition being kind of shit on. And I don't get that. I really don't get that. I get mocking the guy who, you know, whatever, they take your pick. He's, you know, washing cars at Enterprise and he's got a three series and he's doing his best at parties in the park. We all know one of them, you know, and, and God bless him. You got you to gotta do what you got to do. Uh, but... You know, I'm talking about like wanting to start a business, taking a shot. Even if it fails, at least you took your shot. God bless you. Uh, but then when, when somebody d- takes the shot and then has success, why the hate? But I think I might be overstating the hate. I think the email might be overstating the hate. I don't know. I, I, I love the question because it's a question I don't really have an answer to. All right. I got one more here. And then this one, this is going to be interesting here. God, did I... I couldn't have answered it. No, I couldn't because it was sent on July 16th. Um, 
I feel like, I, I guess it stood out when I read it, um, but I didn't talk about it. All right, here we go. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Can't emphasize enough how important it is to have a, a financial advisor, but then it's not just any financial advisor. It's somebody who who knows but cares. Again, plenty of people can know but cares, and Mark Hanna helps everyday people every day get their finances organized. You can call him at 314 314- 889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or go online to evergreenstl.com. His name is Mark Hanna. He is with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And I can tell you from getting to know Mark here over the last year that this is a first-class person who has your best interests at heart. And just calling him at 314-889-0503 is going to make you feel better and you're on the right track. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503. Or go online at evergreenstl.com. Dot com. Uh, Tim, hope you're enjoying your vacation. Not sure if you're recording QFTA this week, have them in the can, or taking a brief hiatus, but had this question come to mind today as I was listening to last week's episode. I was wondering what duty and or if it would be out of place for me to talk to my sister, three years younger than me, about her relationship with her boyfriend who has significant anxiety issues. This comes after extensive talks between myself and my parents where we all believe that her boyfriend's mental health issues are weighing on their relationship and her long-term ability to be happy in a potential marriage with him. They've dated for roughly three years and his mental health uh, has been very up and down. I could cite numerous examples, but suffice it to say they normally manifest themselves in his desire to be quiet, secluded, and lethargic when it comes to doing things with people besides my sister. Her friends have also expressed these concerns to my parents, so I feel like they're fairly well supported. It's also important to note that he's not abusive or anything like that. I just think she may be too blindly in love to fully see or appreciate the magnitude of what we perceive to be the issue. I don't want to turn QFTA into Dear Abby, so I certainly understand if this isn't made for the podcast. If nothing else, some general discussion on the role I should play as a brother who has gone through similar things in past relationships and wants to pass along words of wisdom would be great. My parents feel expressing these concerns would make her try to push away from any advice they gave, but I think she might listen to me, perhaps if I approached things indirectly. Would obviously prefer not using a name on this one if possible. See, this is is the kind of stuff I like with these questions. That's why I say I tip my cap to the audience. I couldn't come up with this stuff. Um, And they make me think. This one makes me think less because I feel like I have an answer immediately, but maybe I'm wrong. But my answer is you do talk to her. But talking to her about it is different than saying you need to break up, break off this engagement, whatever the case might be. Um, just express your your concern. I would want my siblings to do that. Um, I would want my parents to do that. I, w- I want that. I welcome that. I like that. I think it's healthy uh, because maybe she can then present something to make you feel differently about it. Or maybe you'll open her eyes and it could preclude um, a relationship that would wind up going down a, a very negative road. Um, so my my thought, again, and of course you, you're aware, I'm talking to the person who emailed me, uh, of details that I am not aware of. You see things, you hear things firsthand. I'm reading an email. But from a general principle standpoint, 
I am all for families, again, not telling someone what to do, uh, but but conveying uh, where they are uh, in a concerned way, not a you can't do this or you don't do this, but, you know, I've noticed this and I had issues with this kind of behavior with this ex-girlfriend and I worried that you might have the same thing going on with your fiance and I just don't want to see you deal with something that was very traumatic for me, something along those lines. That's a hell of a lot different than saying, we all cannot stand this guy. He's uncomfortable to be around. We think he's shitty to you, and we do not support this marriage. That's a different thing. But both are addressing an issue that everybody's concerned about, but one obviously has a much higher probability of coming to a positive resolution, whether it be the end of the relationship, if that's what's right, or a better understanding of why she is in love with the guy. So um, it's a hell of a question. It's a hell of a circumstance. See, I'm all for that. But uh, I know um, some people are big on staying out of it, but I'm all for that. I would want my brothers or sister or my parents or whomever to come to me about something. I big time would want that. Um, I like it. I like it. You know, guess you get in spots, the, the spots that are tough are when somebody breaks up or somebody divorces. And then at that moment, everybody begins to now, like they took truth serum, start shitting on the person who, you know, is the former significant other of the family member. And then they get back together a month or two or a year later. And it's like, oh God, what did I fucking do? But in this case, you're addressing it in advance. And I think you address it as, you know, I have had a negative experience and I recognize some of the personality traits in, in what your fiance has. And they remind me of, of what I dealt with, with my ex. And I just don't want to see you get hurt and, and go through what I went through. Am I seeing the right thing? What do you see? What do you think about that? To me, that's, that's, that's the play. But maybe I'm wrong. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. All right. What else do I, I can hear Jameson running around like an absolute madman upstairs. Um, let's see what else I got here. Let me, let me update the uh, presidential poll numbers since it's been about an hour since I started recording and seeing where things are, if they have shifted at that, that point, it was about two out of three said they would not vote for, uh, Donald Trump in November, 2020. If the election were held right now today, they, you know, yeah, it's still about two out of three. 253 say no, 129 say yes. So, um, you know, with that said, I would expect him to win uh, Missouri uh, quite comfortably. I'd be shocked otherwise. Uh, and it's not like a 400-person fan page poll should change anybody's opinions one way or the other, but I am just uh, wanted to get that thing out there. Uh, let's see what else. This is, this is, this is kind of so, this is. I don't know. I mean, it's it's because I'm so fucking obsessive is what it's because. Because we, back in the day when I played poker, we'd get a bunch of poker questions, not on the podcast, but on the message board and I guess on social media. Um, and now I've totally just like a light switch have flipped from poker to golf. Um, and I just have to like, it's so nuts. I mean, it's an obsessive personality. It's it's very, 
it's kind of easy to diagnose. Um, the issue is I have a better chance of winning money in the World Series of Poker than I do of winning money playing golf. Um, I'm not talking about like a NASA bet. I'm talking about like actually winning money in the World Series of Poker. Um, but um, I do love the game. I guess it was uh, the day after uh, I played Belle Reve, which was the day after the PGA Championship. And I went out there and played from the tips, uh, not because I belong playing from the tips, but just like, this is, I mean, what, what I mean, what, I, I'll never have it again. The opportunity to play a course that wasn't even 24 hours removed from hosting a major championship and playing it from the tees the guys played from. And um, for those of you who weren't listening at the time, it's about a year ago now, um, I think I posted, I'm setting the over-under on my score at 117.5. And, and I really meant that number. I actually thought that number might be um, generous, like one in the 120s was realistic. And at Belle Reve, we started on the back nine. Um, and I mean, it's just it's a case of letting a course get in your head because it's a, you know, the, the tee shot on number 10, it's, it's, it's pretty open. You know, it's a, it's, it's a par five for the mortals. It was a poor par four for those guys. Uh, and they were birdieing it. And I'm just going on oh, the world. But I mean, they were cutting the corner on that dog leg, whatever. The point is, is that the course gets in your head. It did then anyway. And I think I hit, we took two off the first tee and I hit like a pop fly. I mean, like a, like it looked like, like a 56 degree wedge, but like, you know, if, if I'm aiming at 12 o'clock, it went to three o'clock. I mean, it was just gross. And this was a driver and then hit my second ball. And it was like a dribbler that didn't even get to the fairway. It was in the rough. And why? Because the nerves, even though it's just me and one other dude, uh, Patrick Aubuchon, formerly of Normandy, great guy, really good player. Uh, and, and, and But then eventually I kind of settled in, and uh, I think I shot a 44 maybe on the back nine at Bell Reve, and then we made the turn, and I was sitting at, if I'm not mistaken, 82 or 83? Uh, on the tee box at number nine, which is a dog leg left uphill. For those of you that can recall the 2018 PGA Championship, this is the one where Tiger made the shot from basically like the cart path and drew it around the trees and it went pin high and then he sank the birdie putt and the place went batshit. Um, me at that time, not playing a right to left ball pattern, those kinds of holes were absolute death for me. It gets in my head and I'm going, oh my God, I might shoot in the 80s from the tips at the very course that, you know, Tiger and Brooks Kepka has played less than 24 hours ago. And I absolutely pissed the bed, yanked my tee shot. I mean, yank OB and I took a nine, a nine. So I couldn't stay in the 80s and I'll never get that chance again. Probably won't get that chance again. Let me put it that way. Highly probable won't get that chance again. So for whatever reason, and I don't have an explanation for this, in a way, I wish I didn't have this personality. Um, but at the same time, like some of the things that we've been able to do, 
um, wouldn't have happened if I wasn't what I would consider to be batshit. Um, I guess the, the word would be obsessive. Uh, or my mind's always going. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's, it, I don't think it's necessarily common. It's certainly not uncommon. By that, I mean other people deal with it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's not, a, it's not like the most pleasant way to go through life. Like when I'm on vacation, I'm sure I'm with my family, but, you know, I'm like emailing and texting with people about, you know, this and that with regard to business. And it's, and they're just like, oh, you're on vacation, relax. I'm like, I can't. This is how I relax, you know? And you're just like, wow, what a fucking mess. But that carries over to golf. Um, and, 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 you know, you'll, you'll, I'm sure many of you have experienced, you'll hit a good shot. You go, wow, I can really do this. But then you have like 95 ones that are horrible uh, in the same round. For whatever reason, um, and I don't know what it is, I was playing um, last year, right around this time, actually, closer to 10 months ago, with Skip Berkmeyer, who is certainly one of the best amateur players in St. Louis. Um, and he observed my swing, and he goes, you could be a scratch golfer. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you say this to all the girls, so to speak. I'm like, what in the hell about me at like a, at that time, like an eight or nine handicap makes you think I could be a scratch golfer? He goes, well, you're doing this with your wrist, which is wrong. You ought to work with this guy because then he can get you going. So I meet with this guy and then I go out and I shoot like a, I think I shot a 75 at TPC Las Vegas, but probably playing the white tees if I had to guess, you know. So, I mean, let's keep things uh, in perspective, but it was because of these lessons. And then I'm living down in Jupiter during spring training playing quite a bit, but, you know, not working with my guy. My guy is Craig Story, for the record. He's a Greenbrier. Can't recommend enough. Since I happen to have my laptop open, and I know his email address is stored in here, it is a storygolf at yahoo.com. Big time recommendation. Um, that uh, I just, I, I, yeah, first off, those courses are really hard. Uh, that's one thing, but I just was not right. I don't know what the lowest number I shot there was. I know I didn't shoot in the seventies and I think my lowest round might've been in the eighties. Um, it wasn't, it was not good, especially when you have that much time and you have the practice facility that you have at that place. Um, you know, you would, you would want to do more with it. That's, that's for certain. So that was disappointing. And I get back and, um, Craig's just like, let's, let's rebuild your swing. And we did that, and uh, and it and I you know it's kind of like uh, well it's not kind of like at all but I will draw the analogy and hopefully you'll be able to follow me. The reason my wife and I were, went public with um, our struggles to have a child who made a cameo on this very podcast earlier was because we uh, had heard so often. Uh, about, you know, oh, if you just relax and you don't think about it, you'll get pregnant. And we're just like, oh, it's what people say when they don't know what to say. And they, they're doing it from a kind place. But then they'll say, yeah, I know this couple who they couldn't have a baby. And all of a sudden they had a, a baby uh, when they weren't thinking about it. And I'm just like, yeah, sure they were, you know. Well, in, in our case, that actually did happen. After two failed IVFs, that actually did happen. Now, how in the hell is this related to the game of golf and what I'm eventually getting to, which is playing Harbortown last week? Um, Because I consciously, at the age of 42, as a double-digit handicap, go, you know what, for whatever fucking reason, I really want to be good at golf. And I have no idea why. I really don't. 
I mean, this is not something that usually happens at 42. Um, but I'm willing to do whatever, you know, whatever it takes because I'm self-motivated and I'll, I'm thrilled to be by myself and just like hit golf balls and chip and putt and whatever. Uh, so I'll tear it down and build it back up. And to Craig's credit, he absolutely worked with me like crazy. And But I mean, I was, I was shooting in the mid-90s. I mean, this was rough. And I remember texting him, like just sending over, I track all my stuff in Golf Logics, which creeps people out. But it allows me to know where I'm missing and what my bigger issues are. And he's just like, stay with it. It's going to come around. It's going to come around. And I'm telling you, I mean, as I'm recording this, it's July 29th. I was still having problems in mid-June. And not to say that I'm not having problems now, but um, I would be, I don't want to say I would be surprised, but I think I will break 70 um, before the end of the golf season in St. Louis. I think I, now this is at Westboro. It's a par 68, but it's narrow as all hell. But the reason I say that I, I wouldn't break 70 at, uh, you know, take your pick of, you know, whatever course that's a, you know, quote unquote respectable par 71 or 72. Um, but I could I could certainly be in the, in the mid 70s. Uh, and it's happened. It feels like it's happened really quickly scoring wise. But uh, but the reality is it I mean, it, cause I, like I said, I store all my statistics, which it's like, no, just batshit. Um, so I look, I go, when did it start turning around? And it's the beginning of July. So we're not even a month removed from it. But, I, you know, I don't know. I is The distance, like he, Craig would say, he goes, you have no idea. And I haven't even seen Craig in a few weeks because I was out of town. He goes, you have no idea how what you can do. And I'm going you know, why is it? I have, I don't know. Uh, and I'm not talking about like, he's like in awe. He works with ridiculously talented players, players who, you know, are in different worlds, but we're talking about relative to what I can do. Uh, so the bar is lower. Um, and now I'm seeing it and seeing it when I'm not like on the range, I'm seeing it when I'm actually playing and it has happened very quickly. And a lot of it, I think has to do with distance, which is great, except I'm 42, and the reality is I won't be able to do this like for, uh, you know, ever. Like, like the reason I'm talking about this is I just got back from Hilton Head and want to talk about Harbor Town, but um, for the first time in my life, now it's gone today, sort of gone today. I'm moving around to see. I was sitting on the couch yesterday, fine, just waiting. Uh, Anna Marie's parents had Jameson uh, again, just like uh, today. As a matter of fact, and Anna Marie and I, we went biking quite a bit in uh, Hilton Head. And we're like, let's go get some bikes and we'll bike trails in St. Louis. We can take Jameson with us. Loved it in Hilton Head. Let's do it here. And we're about to go up to a bike store. And uh, and I'm just sitting on the couch, like watching the Cardinals, I think. And I move and I get up. I'm like, oh my God, what in the hell just happened? Like in my mid to upper back. Where did that come from? I'm going to pause for a Marco Rubio beverage break here. And I'm like, oh shit. Is Because the last round I played um, was six days ago in Hilton Head. The last round I played in Hilton Head with my dad. And he was just, you know, I mean, he's been playing with me for 
you know, whatever, 25 years. And it's, you know, it used to be a big deal, not a big deal, but it was rare if I was shooting in the 80s. And then I stopped playing for 12 years, which was totally moronic, and I can't advocate against that anymore. Um, I mean, really, that's that, it, that, that bothers me. It's a dumb thing to have bothered me, but it bothers me. Uh, because... You know, not like I'd be out on tour if I hadn't done that, but I certainly would, you know, I think I'm a 10-1 is my number right now, and I that wouldn't be what the case is. And I spent most of that time playing poker, which is a very solitary uh, hobby. Um, but how far I was hitting the ball, and I said, well, it's all, it's not, it's not like I've like started, I mean, I've been lifting for a few years. It's got nothing to do with that. It's about angles, and it's about what he's done with my swing. That's what it is, you know it's it's being taught and then working on it and then being able to execute it. It's not like I execute it all the time uh, at all, but, you know, it's, 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 it's certainly fun. Um, but I said to him, I said, uh, I wonder how long, because my son, albeit he's going to be two here in a month, but he loves going on the golf course. He has his own little golf clubs and he hits balls like a hockey puck, but loves doing it. And I love, of course, being out there with him. It's just, it's, it's truly heaven. It is the best. It is the absolute, he went out there with my dad and me one time. It was like the greatest thing ever. It really was. I always say, man, I, I know I've said it, but you know what? Like the shit that I, and I, I still love it. It's not like, I'm like, I condemn this now, but like, you're like, man, you're hanging out, you're fucked up in Las Vegas and you're with porn stars. Like that, that's the greatest, like what doesn't get better than that. And for that, that mountain, that is a nice mountaintop. That's a great thing. I really enjoy that. I still enjoy that. That's not, I'm not going, now that I'm a father, I have to act like that's offensive. I love it. And I advocate that for everyone, just like I don't advocate not playing golf in your 30s. But in a different kind of mountain, um, being on a golf course with your dad and your son and everybody just being so happy is just, it's a, what a great thing. What a great thing for me, you know, I'm for the, everybody has their own passions and, um, I'm sure plenty of people experience it, for example, at the blues run and maybe three generations getting to experience that together, maybe four generations. Um, but I said to him, you know, after I had hit a drive and he's like, my God, Timmy, what in the hell, you know? And I said, I, I wonder how much longer I'm going to be able to do this, you know, because inevitably it's like lifting now. It's like, I can do it. Did it earlier today. Um, but just a few years ago, you could go back and do it. You know, it's it truly is like the um, what is it that they say? Um, I'm sure those of you who know what I'm talking about know what I'm getting at. The, 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 the time to get back at it, which is what I guess HGH is supposed to help with. Um, that allows you to get back in there. Um, you don't need as much time off. But, you know, naturally you do. And so you just notice things you know, um, we'll start to, you know, you'll get straight like yesterday, like my back just out of nowhere. Funny that it happened five days after I asked my dad that question, how long do you think I'll be able to do this? You know, at what age will, and I said to him, I said, what age do you think Jameson will beat me? Assuming he plays, if he doesn't play, he doesn't play. God bless him. And he goes, Oh, I'd say maybe 15. And he laughs and he goes, because you're going to be close to 60. And I go, ah, and I go, Wow. That's true. I mean, it's not exactly true, I guess. I guess the exact number would be 55, 56. But either way, 
Yeah, this is a different ball game if I would have had Jamison at 31 as opposed to 41. Um, you know, or obviously 21. But uh, there's something to be said for that. And I and I, I have these moments of clarity when, we're, when we do questions in the audience. It's like, God, how quickly time goes. My dad was talking about that. He said, just once you get out of school, it all seems to just go really, really quickly. And I love he- I love hearing from people who are in their whatever, 60s, 70s, 80s, in a major way. I feel like for whatever reason, I'm not sure why, I'd like to take some theses on this as well, but uh, how older people are kind of cast aside. It's like, all right, you know, play out the string and, you know, go on and do whatever, but, you know, it's a young man's game now. But they've been there. I mean, there's, what, who else has? They've actually been to the destination. They've been to their 60s. They've been to their 70s. They've dealt with navigating retirement, navigating the ends of their professional careers, what it's like, what they would do differently. That is such valuable advice and perspective that I would imagine for almost everyone listening to this can't relate to it. So I consider that to be incredibly valuable. And so to hear somebody who has been there give that perspective, it, it, it just, you know, it's like we're out there sitting sitting there having a beer. Uh, I guess it was a week ago today because it was Monday. And it, it was right after I had played at Harbortown, which I'm getting to here. But he's like, Timmy, I got to tell you. I make no apologies, but this is what I worked my ass off for. And he worked his ass off. I, you know, I guess I deal with stresses and unfortunately a lot of them are public. Plenty of them aren't. But as far as like working or at, he worked his ass off. He legitimately worked his ass off. I do a, you know, hand job radio show and hand job podcast. I mean, this guy worked his ass off. And so I said, I said, then, then enjoy it. He's sitting there, he's barbecuing and we're drinking beer you know, and the grandkids are inside, my mom's inside, and my brother's inside, or my my brother's inside, my uh, brother's wife's inside, my wife's inside. I'm like, enjoy it. Stay down here as long as you want, you know? That's what it's all about. And I don't know, to, to me, to me, it's like, that's a no-brainer. I can't. Your mother wants to go back to to St. Louis, the grandkids and all that stuff. I'm like, I, I understand. I'm just like, I want them to enjoy it. So that's why I always get caught up in the, the thing about seizing the moment, but I'm, but I'm quote unquote only 42 in seizing the moment. Whereas a lot of other people who are in my age range aren't going, yeah, it's, you know, we got to, we got to capitalize on this time, but that's the thing. Like, okay, Jameson's 15. That means I'm 56. That's not that far off. It sounds when you're, even when you're 30, it sounds like it's a million years away. And then all of a sudden you kind of get halfway there and you go, holy shit. I'm just as close to 55 as I am to 30. Whoa. Because 30 doesn't seem that long ago. And so therefore, playing out the hand... I want to maximize this time and not go, oh, sweet, I've got all of this whatever assets, not that I necessarily do, but just like keep working, keep working, work, and make myself miserable. And I kind of note that, oh, see, I'm moving to my back, um, although it is better today. 
uh, you know, when I'm talking with my dad and we're just bullshitting about a variety of different things and, you know, some of the things that I think maybe 10 or 20 years ago he would have been advocating, he's not now. And he's not now because he's been been there. Um, he is advocating for certain things, but not necessarily things that, that, that don't surprise me, but not necess- but when there's some things that I think he would, you know, he was big time against me leaving KMOV when I did. And maybe even half of you even know that I worked at KMOV as a sports anchor and sports reporter nearly 15 years ago. And I'm only 42, and it was nearly 15 years ago, which is fucking weird. But, uh, yeah, it'll be 20 years since I've been hired at KMOV in March. And he said, you're going to regret it because everybody's going to think you got fired, and that's going to drive you up the wall. And he was 100% right on that. Um, but he also didn't think it was smart to, to move my chips into radio. And he was wrong on that. So it's not like he's always right. Um, and, the, you know, the local TV thing, I think it kind of speaks for itself. Uh, and, and fortunately TMA is now 15 years old and TMA would have ended if I would have chosen to stay doing TV because KMOV, um, was a little uncomfortable with some of the things I was saying on the radio. Um, and I'm just like, well, you know what? The radio is paying me a hell of a lot more and I like it a lot more and I don't have to work nights and weekends. So this isn't really much of a decision. No hard feelings. I'm out. But uh, but at that time, people thought that people didn't leave television for radio unless they got fired. So that was the background on it. But the reason I bring it up is um, to do what you want to do. Ryan Kelly's the home loan expert, and he is the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McKernan Show. Without him, we don't have a podcast. So make sure you're supporting our sponsor, Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. And with interest rates dropping and this being home buying season, this is a prime time to get in and get yourself a great rate and lock in. Or if you want to refinance, now's the time to do so. Ryan Kelly's the person to do it with. He is online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, the studio sponsor of this program. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. There was a great podcast I listened to. We had to drive from Hilton Head to Charleston, flying back. We flew into Hilton Head down there, but we drove to Charleston, which is a motherfucker of a drive from Hilton Head because there's no interstate there is but you have to drive all over the place to get to the interstate um you're kind of like driving like side roads um up the south carolina coast through like you know what would they call it like marsh uh swampy type regions and uh and a listener had sent it to me so good sam harris with ricky gervais and ricky gervais said something along the lines of he goes you know i've just decided that if I'm going to live, I'm going to make sure I do the things that I want to do each day. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, why wouldn't you? And it, it does sound kind of simple. And I'm sure some of you are going, yeah, well, I have three kids and I'm 35 and I have to save up for their education. I have to pay a mortgage. You know, I can't, I can't go play golf or I can't go and, you know, take your pick of whatever it's just not realistic and I get it and I don't believe Ricky Gervais has kids so we're not talking apples to apples here Uh, I know he's married but I don't know if he has kids in either way he's obviously got hundreds of millions of dollars but uh, the reason that I I bring it up is that that perspective when my dad said that and then also and I can't get into what it was that we were talking I mean I can but I won't um, you know it was kind of eye-opening 
and it comes because you know it was for my my father number one, but number two, um, he has been there. I value that experience, as I often say. If somebody's going to give you a review on a restaurant, whose opinion are you going to value more? The person who's dined there, or the person who just thinks they have an idea of what it would be like? You know, it's a no-brainer. So, I don't know. That stuff just it just gives me pause. I don't know, and I don't and I don't feel like I feel like I think this way, and I wish I didn't think this way because then it makes me do things that I wouldn't do if I didn't think this way. But at the same time, I think if I do get to sixty, I'll be happy that I thought this way, like. You know, I mean, if you have been listening to TMA for a long time, you know that in my 30s, I mean, we were in Las Vegas. Shit. God, it had to be four times a year. It had to be. Because that's what I loved. I loved playing poker. Um, But it, 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 it was not you know, by any means, like sound finance. It's not like I went out there and I'm like, all right, I'm going to make another 5K if I go out and play poker. I just fuck off. I'd play like $150 tournaments and like spend 12 hours and then min cash, you know, if I was lucky. Um, and, but I mean, I, I don't I don't go, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that and then I'd have more money or I'd have more, you know, whatever. I, I enjoyed it. I don't regret that. I regret the time I spent playing online poker but as far as like the experiences, I don't regret that. I don't regret that. I guess I lived my retirement-ish life in my 30s, even though I was working, that my peers will li- experience in their late 50s or 60s. And it doesn't mean one's right or wrong. The only thing is I know I already got it. Um, and I continue to think that that way. Um, again, to seize the moment, to enjoy it, you know. That's kind of, just, it's, 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 that's the way my dad's talking now. Not to say it's like morbid. It's just good advice. I think it's good advice. Just, buddy, I'm telling you, enjoy it now. Because once you get, it's, you know, because I'm on the back nine. It's like uh, if you read Joe Buck's book. And he talked about, um, like, I guess essentially what wound up being deathbed conversations with his father. And I think... If I'm not mistaken, uh, his father kind of chastised him a little bit for the house he had built. Um, I guess, I don't know, it was the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, well, it had to have been uh, late 90s because Jack passed away in 2002. And maybe it was the early 2000s. But either way. Um, and And then as they were talking while Jack is on his deathbed, Jack said, enjoy that house. Because once you're here, you can't do anything with it. You can't enjoy it. Enjoy it. And that's the thing. It's like I like to read those articles. Like what would people do like in their, you know, they're in their 80s. They're in a retirement home. What would they go back and do differently? Because I think that's like so invaluable. So I think about that stuff. We had that conversation and it, and it was born out of golf um, and the round that I played at Harbor Town uh, was—it's important to me. It's, it, and it's, it's weird that it's important to me 
I don't know why it's important to me. I just know that it is. Um, and it, 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 I guess, it, I, I don't know if it should or shouldn't, but it really shouldn't be. And, uh, and I'm just like, I'm playing well. And it, I mean, it used to be, boy, it'd be great if I could break a hundred at Harbor town, um, which is, you know, and it's, it's, it's a PGA tour stop. Um, it's famously narrow, famously narrow. Um, which is why the Bombers usually don't play it. It's also the week after the Masters. Now, Dustin Johnson plays it, but he's an RBC guy, and RBC is a sponsor. But, you know, Tiger was not a regular when he was playing more events at, at Harbortown. It's just not a, a course that, that's going to favor that, that distance advantage. Um, small greens, you know, whatever. But either way, it's a great golf course. And, you know, I want to play well anytime I play, but, you know, I get this chance once a year. And I'm like, I am playing easily the best golf of my life right now. And I really want to play well, you know. And um, and so went out there. Uh, and on the number one tee, you know, I'm out there just going solo. Anna Marie goes with me uh, for the front nine. And um, then I get on the tee box. I'm paired with a couple of guys, one of whom is... His home course is Harbor Town. Another one is his son, and uh, and they go, you guys, you want to? What's your handicap? And I said ten. And they go, oh, you're gonna beat the hell out of us. He goes, we're gonna play the blue tees. Well, the blue tees are you know behind the white tees. It's a tough golf course, and if me at a ten, I'm going to beat the hell out of them. Then we probably shouldn't be playing the blue tees. But I'm like, whatever. I'll play the blue tees. Is an odd decision if 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 I'm gonna beat the hell out of you and I'm a ten, uh, that we're playing the blue tees. But whatever, fine. So, um, playing, uh, playing pretty well, uh, and then, uh, ran into a couple of holes where I, I got into trouble. I, uh, but I, I birdied, if you want to follow along on the Harbor Town scorecard, I guess it's number, yeah, it's number five, birdied that, uh, it's a par five, hit a 295 yard drive, so I was able to get there, um, well, actually, I pitched up. Uh, just came up short was driver five iron uh, and I'm just like god this is nuts because this is just not anything that I'm accustomed to and the guy that I'm playing with is like you just hit he goes, I'm, he goes I'm walking this off you hit a 295 yard drive and I couldn't have done that two months ago and it's not to say if you go meet with Craig Story he's going to have you hitting the ball 300 yards uh, and it's not like I hit the ball 300 yards every time this is that's a major outlier I'm sure I got a nice roll um, but you know you know, the guy knows what to do and, uh, you know, it's up to me to execute it. And then I ran into some problems because it's not consistent. That's why I'm a 10 handicap and went OB and took an eight on the next hole. And and then I'm just not hitting the ball real well. And it was just disappointing and, uh, lipped out birdie on nine. And, uh, and I think I finished with 44 on the front and I was just disappointed in that because I know I can shoot way better than that. Not way better, but certainly low forties, high thirties, no doubt about it. I mean, I took an eight on number six. Uh, I haven't taken an eight on too many holes lately. And that was, that was, that was disappointing. And so I'm kind of disappointed. And Marie's just like, well, you're out here. It's a beauty. I go, I know I get it. And I totally understand. I said, I just don't get a chance to play this course and I want to play well. And I thought I could really, you know, put up a pretty good number. And, um, and then the guys I was playing with, 
um, they were only playing nine. I didn't know that they were only playing nine. Well, that, now that means I'm I'm going to the back nine, you know, of Harbor Town, which has some signature holes in the back nine. The lighthouse certainly being on eighteen, being the uh, signature hole. But you know, um, there 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 are a few thirteen. 14, 17, 18, and I'm going to be a single. People are taking pictures. This is what they do on the back there. I don't want to do that. So I go back into the pro shop and I said, hey, you know, I'd be open to going back out there and just playing the front again. I'll pay for it. Um, and I don't care if it's not for an hour or two, whatever. I'm a single. Put me with whomever. I always prefer to play with people, in part because of what I was talking about. You don't want to be, you know, the single playing through people and then they have nothing but foursomes in front of them. They're not doing anything wrong. Uh, I just like to bullshit with people while I'm playing. And so they, they get me out there. I go back out there. I play the front again. And this time my mom comes out. Um, and uh, we do play the white tees. Uh, and the guys I was playing with this time around were just as good as the guys I was playing with when we were playing the blue tees. But we were playing the white tees. It's not that much of a difference. Um, it obviously depends on the tee placement. But... Uh, I wound up, I birdied nine. Uh, I think that was the only birdie I had on the front. Uh, the eight on the par four went to a six the second time around, which is still horrible because uh, it's not a really tough hole, but I just couldn't hit my driver straight. It was I was just totally off. And it was very, you know, I just kind of had to navigate it, but it was off. And so I shot a 41 on the front. I really thought there was a chance I could shoot in the 70s, so... That was still live, but I knew I had to get the driver right. And in, in this group, uh, we had a four caddy. And this guy had played. He's probably in his mid to late 20s, and he had played. He played at a um, golf academy or something like that. And I said, oh, you still play? He goes, I still play. But he goes, I got out of that because it was very clear I was not good enough to play with these guys. So good for him for figuring it out at an early age. And uh, and we're on 11 after I had once again just like pushed a drive, which is not my, my ball flight now is right to left. And I just couldn't figure it out for the life of me what was going on. Um, and 10 is wide open. Um, bogey that. And I said to him, I said, hey, can you do me a favor? I said, I know this is not, I'm sure you get asked this stuff and it drives you guys up the wall. You know, you're out here playing with tourists. I said, I'll pay more. I don't care. I said, and if, and if you don't help me or if you give me something that winds up not working, there will be no hard feelings. But I am absolutely lost right now. Can you stand behind me, see what's going on, see if you notice anything, because I'm not hitting the ball the way that I have been hitting the ball. And for whatever reason, from that point forward, the 11T, I did not miss a fairway the rest of the way. I did not miss a fairway the rest of the way. And not only was I not missing fairways, but um, I, uh, I the distance was there as well. And so... I got, uh, as Doug would say, if we can just get hot, we can win this baby. So we got hot, and and I remember we got to 13, and if you look up number 13 at Harbortown, and if you're listening to this, you're already a golf nerd. There's no way you can just be passively listening to this. Um, and it's a it's a hole where you don't hit driver. Uh, for me, he said either go four iron or hybrid because you want about a 220-yard tee shot, and then it has this bunker that is surrounding the green so that the green is like a peninsula and the bunker I mean it surrounds the green and on top of it it's on a hill and what connects the bunker to the green 
are all of these planks. So I remember being in there like when I first got back into the game in 2016. And if you're in that bunker, you're hitting the planks more often than not. If you have very little clue what you're doing, which is certainly what the case was for me at that time, you're just trapped. You're trapped. And I've seen PGA players get in there. And if you're up against the planks, you're just doomed because the thing's bouncing back at you. Uh, it's a nightmare scenario. But either way, I was on to, able to get on a regulation with that, two putt for a par, nearly hold out for a birdie on what was a tough, uh, what is it, the toughest scoring hole um, on tour at that event. But they're playing it from like 195. We're playing it, you know, I hit a wedge, totally different hole. Um, nearly birdied 15, uh, had a hell of a sand shot to get out on 16 and par that. Uh, or no, I think I, I bogeyed that. I bogeyed that. Hit a bad second shot, and I was in a bunker, and I wound up two putting. And then number seventeen. That's when you start getting these famous holes there. And uh, went long and was in a bunker, like a strip bunker. I've never seen a bunker like it. And and God bless the caddy. He, he said, "Here's how you play this thing." And I got up, which I didn't even know I get out of it. And one putt. And now I didn't even realize it, but I'm sitting at seventy six, heading to the eighteenth at Harbortown because um, I, I mean I, I scored with with not being able to hit fairways and it's not like I was birdieing anything I'm just going okay it's not, it wasn't even on my mind it was like let me hit the ball straight and then we'll figure it out from there well now I got my mom with me super cool got these guys I'm playing with great guys uh, one was uh, he played football at Kent State and Gary Pinkle and Nick Saban was uh, were there as uh, graduate assistants uh, and I guess his son-in-law who played football at Ohio, not Ohio State, Ohio, and they actually played in, in at Fro Field. Great guys. And uh, and we get to 18 at Harbortown, which is the lighthouse. It's a par four. I don't think I have the scorecard here. I want to pull this up. Because again, if you're listening to this, you're, 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 you're truly committed to the task here on, uh, on, on nerding out. With uh, with a with a golf course. So let me see if I can. I want what I'm trying to do is get the scorecard because there are two different routes to take. And uh, St. Louis and in front of the podcast, Adam Long um, scolded me for this. So let's see. I played the white tees, the sea pines tees, as they are. Um, and so 18 is 414 from those tees. So, if you're aiming at the lighthouse, there is maybe a 30-yard, 40-yard wide fairway. Otherwise, you can hit it out there, and it is the widest fairway on the PGA Tour. You can, I, I, I know you can, of course, miss the fairway, but if you get the ball in the air 100-plus yards, you are going to be in the fairway. I don't, I, I, you can even yank it dead left or push it dead right, slice. You're just going to be in the fairway. I realize there are plenty of people listening who've played it going, dude, I missed the fairway. I understand. But in general, you're going to, it's just, it's an absurdly wide fairway. However, um, starting in on the left, which is in front of the green, there's, you know, the shit, so to speak, like, you know, like part of the Calabogie sound. Um, and uh, it, it and I, and so you'll see guys on, on that, in that, tour event they'll usually hit three wood off the tee now they're playing let's see what it is from what they're playing that hole is 472 yards um but they want to take the shit out of play and so they'll 
usually hit three wood and then hit it over the shit onto the green. In my case, you know, I was certainly playing with confidence, um, was not aware at the time that a birdie would give me a round in the 70s, and uh, but I knew I was playing with confidence. I mean, ever since the 11th tee, I was hitting fairway after fairway after fairway. And uh, said to my caddy, I said, how far out is the shit? And he goes, 250. I go, well, then I got to hit three wood. And he goes, grab your driver, aim at the lighthouse, and that's that. And I go, wow, look at this. Look at this. Now, if I, if I hit it at the lighthouse and I hit it straight or the right to left ball flight, I can hit it, you know, 275 and be fine. If I hit it and I pull it a little bit, it's going into the shit because the shit starts at 250. Um, and you want to hit that shot well. And you get the shot once a you know, in my case, once a year. And it's a significant, uh, you know, it's probably the most famous hole I'll play. Uh, and, uh, and fortunately crushed it with the exact ball flight I want. That right to left ball flight, crushed it, perfect right on line with the lighthouse. And I get up there and I'm like, you know, I've had that thing before. I thought I had to drive well and I had to hit, you know, you know, I didn't take the lighthouse path. I took the, the left path and you're hitting over the shit, and I would have like a five or six iron just to clear the shit and get it on the green. Holy crap. I mean, it's a brutal shot. Plus, you have wind coming off the water. And uh, and he, I think I'm 130 out, and there was some wind. And he goes, how far do you hit your wedge? I said, I can hit it 135, but I would feel more comfortable hitting a nine here. And uh, wound up going with the nine, hit it on had about 30 feet to the pin and and just was like just thrilled if anything with the way because at this point like even if all hell breaks loose my worst case scenario is a bogey um but I'll have a chance for a birdie it's highly unlikely but I'll have a chance for it caddy Trent God bless him uh gives me the read ball out to the left and I'm just like, let's give it a run, you know, and gave it a run and it is tracking dead middle. And I just hit it just a little too firm and it popped out. Uh, and I had uh, what essentially was like a foot and a half, two feet for par that I sank that go in, count up the score that I had not been counting and realized that had it not popped out, I would have shot a 79. I uh, had my uh, aunt had balls. My, uh, she'd be my uncle. But uh you know, the, 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 honestly, the, you know, I'm, I was thrilled with it, thrilled with it because it, it again, it, and I don't know why it means so much, um, to, to, to play that thing and to play it well. And so, you know, it wouldn't have been in play had I not gone back and then played the front over again, uh, cause I shot 44, but, uh, but I used to shoot 40, so I went 41-39 at Harbor Town. Again, white tees, make that make that clear. It's a 71.4, 136 from the white tees, but uh, it's a tight golf course. And uh, I played the final six holes at one over. And, uh, and I played the final 10 holes at three over I guess so um, you know it's a par 71 so if I could have kept that pace up that would have been quite lovely a 74 so 
why talk about all of this? Why talk? Why are you listening to this? I mean, we're an hour and 43 minutes in here. Um, and if, you, if you've made it through this odyssey, my God. Um, but the reason I bring it up is seizing the moment. Seizing the moment. I'm not talking about seizing the moment and hitting the putt. I'm talking about seizing the moment and enjoying the golf course. Seizing the moment and doing the things you want to do. Seizing the moment and doing that what it takes to get to be able to enjoy things that you want to do. That's the name of the game. That's what it's about. You know? I mean, and you can't necessarily predict them. You know, when, when when it wound up being my dad and Jameson and me on the golf course, it was only because Anna Marie texted me. And she goes, what hole are you guys on? And I said, we're on, uh, and this was a different course. She said, number, I said, number eight. She goes, oh, that's close to the place. I'll walk over with your mom and Jameson. And they kind of walk over, and then Jameson does not. He's in the mode right now, once again, speaking to parents, where he will not let me out of his sight um, and is screaming because he doesn't want me and my dad drive off, drive off. And I go, fuck it, we'll take him. And it just kind of organically wound up happening that he wound up being, and don't get me wrong, guy's batshit and he's running all over the damn place and you have alligators out there. So it's a, you know, this is, it was a task, but who cares what we, you know, what we were doing golf wise. We were out there, the three of us, and it was the greatest. It was the greatest. And it's not possible if other things, some of which years in advance had to take place in order for it to occur. But I think about it. Why? Because when do you think Jameson will beat me? Just kind of like a flippant dipshit question. Because who fucking knows a guy will even swing a golf club? You know, it's a, it's a, it's just a stupid question. And my dad says, ah, probably when he's 15 because you'll be close to 60. And that comment, which was him fucking around, I go, God damn. 60 seemed like it was ancient. And now it's not that far away. So if I play Harbor Town once every year in between now and 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 Jameson being fifteen, that means I only have only but thirteen rounds. Holy shit. You know, I mean it goes. And you gotta seize it. I really am like caught up in this, you know? I, and I, and I, I don't know why. And you can't do it. It's not like you can do anything about it. I go, I mean, you can't do things about it. You can make a decision based on, you know what? I don't know if this is necessarily the right move, but, you know, we'll be happier. And it, and it isn't, you know, it's, it, that's not an absolute, of course. Um, but it's, but, you know, I guess if all things are equal... That's the move. I mean, isn't that the move? Isn't that what you want for your kids? Like, what do I want for Jay? I don't, I don't care. If Jameson makes millions of dollars a year. If he's fucking miserable, I'd be sad. If Jameson doesn't make much money, but he's happy, I'd be thrilled. I couldn't care any less what the hell he does. If he's happy and treats people well, that's it. I feel like I will have done my job as a parent. So I think about this stuff. And I, I think I think I started thinking about it way more when he was born, which will be two uh, two years ago, on August twenty third. Um, and just seizing opportunities. So that's what I'm thinking of. That's why that's why I tell that story because, in the whole scheme of things, as an as an amateur player, a double digit handicap amateur golfer, what I shot at Harbor Town couldn't be any less consequential to anyone 
including myself. But, for whatever reason, it mattered to me. So therefore, it did have consequence. In what capacity? It's not like I got an invite to the Masters because I nearly broke 80 at a course where guys shoot from the back, you know, 65. Uh, But, you know, I guess there's progress. I wanted to become a better golfer. I'm becoming a better golfer. I'm still a 10 handicap. I'm nothing special. But... It, it was that's kind of the course that I measure myself against because it's got some some history for our family um, with my parents going there for their honeymoon back in 74 and now here we are all these years later and um, that's why so um, I don't know that's that's my theme my theme that's kind of the, the I don't know if it's the right word is clarity but that's what I come away from from that trip is seize the moment seize the moment do the things that would increase the probability of you achieving happiness. I'm talking to myself here because I'm not telling anybody what to do. Because again, everybody's situation is different. Everybody's situation is different. But that's 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 what I take. Because like I'm talking to my dad, and he's been there, and he is there, and he knows the program. And uh, yeah, Jameson will beat you when you're 15. Oh wow, he must be a pretty decent player. Well, I mean, you'll be close to 60. Perfect. Yeah, but you're right. It's good. It's good. Let's be honest about it. Let's not jerk each other off about the whole thing, huh? That's the way it is. That's what it'll be. That's the math. We can't argue about the math. The math is what the math is. The math is I will be, you know, I will be in my mid-50s, mid-late-50s. There it is. There it is. Questions from the audience. A wandering adventure through politics, my son making an appearance, whether or not to bang the spin, spin class, uh, class instructor, the beverage cart girl, um, the Democratic presidential nominee. How would you explain this podcast to somebody? It's me staring at my refrigerator, occasionally pausing for beverages and trying to keep my son calm. Uh, that's the podcast. It's the Tim McKernan Show, brought to you by Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert, thehomeloanexpert.com, James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800, carltoninsurance.net, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet, Chevy, Find New Roads, and Design Air Heating and Cooling Online at designairservice.com. They are the number one train dealer in the Midwest. It's hard to stop a train. Time to wrap it up. We went an hour and 49 minutes, and by we, I mean I, which means I have issues. I sat here and I talked to myself for nearly two hours. Hope you enjoyed it. Questions you have, fire them in, man. Obviously, I'll talk about anything. Tim McKernan, InsideSTL.com. As always, thank you for listening to the Tim McKernan Show here on the InsideSTL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.